0: It's been a long week, um, in many ways, 26 hours, 25 hours of travel, 8th uh, sermon, fresh sermon in 8 days, so it's just a lot. And uh, But I've just been praying, and God's just kept me in tune with with what He's wanting to say. And I just totally believe that God has a word for every single girl here, and every father here, and every single man here. Um, wherever you're at in life, I believe that God's got a word that He wants to speak to you Uh, today. And uh, I haven't always, I'm a dad of three now. We've got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old. And I was not super, I I kind of think I shared this on the first week, I was kind of tentative about becoming a parent. Um, But throughout our relationship, Taryn has always, every time we walk by a baby, you know how like you see like somebody walking by with a baby, Taryn is like, oh, that baby's so cute. And like, Every baby, like she says, oh, and she's, and she's so genuine. She's not saying that out of like a, a false whatever encouragement. She's just saying that, and she truly um, believes that. And every single time, I'm like, you say that every time. <laughs> you say that to all of them. and But I think for moms, um, what I've found, and for women in general, I think that um, motherhood comes very instinctual, and I don't, I don't, know, I think it's just the way God created you to to nurture and and to be a mother. I think you you have that before you are an, ever a mother, and you develop into that more and more as you might have that opportunity. Um, but for dads and for men, I feel like it's a little bit of like learning through the fire, and it sometimes it takes us a little while to to warm up to it, and that's that's a general kind of stereotype. But that's been my experience: is that it it took me a while, and like I, I really wasn't comfortable being a dad for a couple of years, and, and I see that in in new dads all the time. And like I think when we we had our first Beckett, we he like did he would cry like every time I' in my arms, and like he just wanted to be with his mom, and I like almost got offended with it, and I developed this whole complex about fatherhood that I had to kind of work through and I've seen that in some young dads even t- today like in, in recent days where like man it, it like when my kid doesn't want me, he just wants mom, and like we start to get insecure about our role in this, but God has so much planned for you man he He has designed you to be a father, and it's not just in the practical like being a part of having a baby, but a spiritual father. So if you're single and you'll never be married, or you're just single for for God knows how long, God can still use you to be a spiritual father. And I want to turn to Ephesians, and we're going to look at one verse. You guys know me. Sometimes I give you a whole chapter, sometimes a whole book we're going to preach out of today. One single verse. It's in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians. Fathers, do not provoke your child to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and encouragement of the Lord or admonition of the Lord. Just rest there for me for a few minutes. Dads mean a lot to us in our our lives. Um, And I've had an incredible relationship with my dad. I've seen, as I talk about me kind of growing into fatherhood, I've watched that in my dad too. Um, Over as I've gotten older, I've just seen more and more like he's a better dad today than he was when I was six years old. He just is like I've watched him grow. And I just think it's not it's not as much as like, hey, being this perfect dad, because like that's a a standard that none of us will ever ever reach. But it's a process of growth and like committing yourself and and saying within yourself, I want to be I want to be a better man. I want to grow, and it's not out of this place of "oh, I'm going to be better," like morally, and 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 coming from that place, but out of love for God, because we know that we are co- we are created in the image of God, and we are called to be um, responsible. God has given us a deep responsibility and accountability in this world as men and as fathers. And so, mean I, I honor my dad. I honor my father-in-law. You you all have been able to see the ministry of my father and and um, and my father-in-law's. Um, staff member last week, uh, Pastor Jeremy, was here, and so you've been able to see their ministry in some way, uh, direct or indirect. And so I'm just thankful to dive into the text here, man. We live in a, a generation. We live in a fatherless generation. We do. We live in a fatherless generation. 43% of children are growing up without a father in the home. Forty-three percent. That's 32 million children growing up without a father in the house. And I bet if we if we um, did a poll in this room, I bet the statistics would be about exactly the same. That we didn't grow up within, without, without a father in the home. Or if he was in the home, he wasn't present. He was absent. Or he was caught up in his work or caught up in his addiction. And, and we've experienced that. And many of the things that we're seeing in society... Um, going on is because of a lack of a father figure. The statistics are startling. I encourage every single one of you to write down this website. It's very easy to remember. the fatherlessgeneration.com, and just take 10 minutes and read through the data and the statistics on the importance of fathers and what an impact they have on our life. And like I'm not talking about one, two, five, ten statistics. I'm talking about like five or six pages worth of studies that say dads are important. And, like, from the scriptures, we have so much that encourages us here. And so, I want you to understand just the importance of it and that we are growing up and we're living in this society with with, uh, absent fathers. And um, God is calling us to step in. And and if you're a single mom in the house and you're bearing. The, the responsibility of of both the the husband and the wife, of, of both the mother and the father. Like, we cheer you on. You guys are rock stars. You're amazing. My wife loves to just bless and encourage single moms because she knows the weight of it. On weeks, like, I go off like this. You know, I, I, I'm gone for a week, or I've been gone several weeks at a time. And that's just a glimpse into your life, single moms. But I still want you to understand the power and what's missing and how your children need godly men in their life. And so God has given you the heavenly father. And you're not called to bear the burden of both roles. God's going to step into that. He may bring another man at some point. But God's also given the body of Christ to give you a lot of good Christian men. Um, and, and the same thing. It's not just uh, just because you're a sperm donor doesn't necessarily make you a father. It doesn't make you a, a father Um, And and just because you don't have seed, just because you don't have offspring, doesn't mean you can't be a father. Like some of you, you'll be single for the next, men, you'll be single for the next 10, 15 years or the rest of your life. And I just want you to see yourself like, I can still be a spiritual father because there's 43% of children out here that don't have dads. And you don't have to physically adopt them, but you can throw your arm around the shoulder and say, God can use me in this season while I'm single. God can use me to help raise up a generation. I think we, we get into why we're seeing so many problems is because, I don't know, men have just kind of relaxed and men tend to step in when needed and not because we want to and not because we're called to. And so I want to get more into that. But I just want us to know, man, God wants to use you, fellas. He, he wants um, to use you. And, and, and we, as much as we need to, to be spiritual fathers, first we've got to become a spiritual son if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ like you're going to be you're going to be trying to beat out your own path and that path will lead nowhere it will not lead to eternal life if you're just kind of beating out a moral path on your own. The scriptures say that our righteousness is like filthy rags, like, like dirty feminine products is our very best morality in, the, in comparison to God's perfection. right? It's a very vulgar kind of offensive visual that says you're not good enough on your own. Our life must be in Christ. Our identity must be in Christ as fathers. That's where our longing and desire to be good men of God comes from. And our understanding to be a spiritual father. Whether you have children of your own or or not. So that's where the scripture begins. Fathers. He's speaking to them. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he's, throughout this text, like previously he's talking about um, there are relationships in the church and how, what that should look like. Then he goes about to the marital relationship in the last kind of seven or eight uh, or, or ten verses in Ephesians 5. He's talking about marriage and what husbands and wives are, are roles. And, and then he, he gets into fathers. He gets into children. He gets into to slaves. He's telling slaves, he's like, here's how you should behave. And he goes to masters, and he's like, don't like, lord it over them. Like, treat them like brothers when you have someone that works on your property. And, and so he, he's going in, in this whole kind of giant list that, look, the societal norms, the familial norms of your life have to change. And, like, you're not called to be like the culture. We don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of, of our minds. And, like, God is leading us on a journey to be transformed, to reflect his goodness and His grace and His strength in this earth, and so, men, I just want to I want to call you to a commitment to grow and to be a spiritual father, whether you have children of your own or not. He goes on to say, "Do not provoke your children." You'll see some different translations in here. Um, I see this with my kids a lot. Like I see where they provoke one another. Like. Um, they do like little things to like annoy the other, like just on purpose. And and we we may look at this scripture and, like that seems weird, like provoking our kids. Like what kind of dad provokes our kids? But we do it way more than we realize, dads. I do it way more than what I realize. All of our kids are different. Every person is different and unique, and has a different personality. And parents in the room, you know, you have to discipline that child for for like their personality and what's going to work. And you try a bunch of things and we're just like, we've tried everything and we don't know what to do to help lead them. But one thing we cannot afford to do and that that Paul is stating here is you can't afford to provoke your child to anger. And really both words here, both the the Greek for the word provoke that's translated, both that and the word anger, they're the same root with just a different ending. So it's the same idea of anger. And so anger and anger. So dad's like, when, when you express anger towards your children in whatever way that might come, little comments, or if it's rage and like loud anger where you're screaming at them, like whatever it is, he's calling us, don't stir up that anger in your children. I remember sitting in a small group in this um, coffee bar here, and there was about 10 or 12 men, and I asked the, a very simple question. I said, how many of you would, would admit you've got some anger issues? Every hand in the room raised up. I said, let me ask a second question. How many of you saw this modeled in your home that, that your dad had, had some anger issues? It came out in different ways, but he had some. I think 90, 95% of them raised their hand. This has been passed down, and I think it's been passed down for generation after generation after generation, and we don't realize it because we learn to control our temper, right? We learn to, 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 to come under control, but then we, then we lose it, and like, we have these moments where it frustrates us, and the only time we end up leaning in is out of anger, is out of to fix something, and so this statement, don't provoke your children to anger, is actually way more profound than what we might pass by. Because we live in a generation that even the men that are there have real anger issues. And, like, I've had anger issues since I was a little boy. Like, some of you guys don't know my story, so I'll just share it. Like, I was the kid that got kicked out of school for fighting. Like, I was the one where I would fight. Like, I'd fight one kid, and I got chased around the neighborhood by 20 other kids. Because I was just a brawler. Like, I just wanted to fight somebody. I just had so much anger and so much pain that I didn't know how to deal with and process. And I I processed it in all the wrong ways. And and I was provoking. Like, I played sports a lot. And I, I was a trash talker. Like, when I get back out on the basketball court like we did this past week in Peru, man, I have to hold my tongue because I've got so much trash talk. It's just, I've always, it's always been with me, and so I have to guard myself because I'm just looking to get anger out of that person. I'm looking to get under their skin. Like, I don't know, some of you guys know a person like that in sports or when you're playing board games with, with them, like they're that person that you hate. I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. Like, you know that guy, and that was me, and God totally transformed me and he did it through breaking my heart. He did it by giving me desires that weren't my own, that I didn't care for, by changing the things that I cared about to the things that he cared about. God did a deep, deep work in that. And I still have to battle that every once in a while. But God's brought me so far in it. Our Anger issues come from a lot of things. All of us in the room, we, like men and women alike, we, we deal with anger issues. They come from many places. First, I'd say, is is a lack of understanding of our identity in Christ, a.k.a. we don't have a spiritual foundation. We don't have a spiritual foundation that our identity is not in our work, fellas. Our identity is not in our work. Your identity is not in your place as a father. Your identity is not in in what you do for the church and what you do for God. That's not where your identity is. Your identity is in Christ and as being a son of God. That is where your identity comes from. Male and female, like, that is our spiritual foundation. And what we try to do is when we don't have that, we make everything else our foundation. When we were in in the United States, like, we use different um, type of materials than what they used in Peru. And so, like, when we were making concrete, they, like, many times you go through, we, we walk through the catacombs in Lima, and there's, like, tens of thousands of bodies that have been buried beneath this Catholic church through the Inquisition and many other things where people were, like, silently being killed below the surface. It's wild. And, like, they bar- d- dug up all the bodies, and now you just see bones and stacks of femurs and skulls everywhere. It's very wild. Um, it sounds as crazy as it is. And... Um, you know, there's these deep-rooted um, issues, and, and we don't, and, and underneath there, there's, um, the, the, the tour guide told us that up under up underneath, like, you see all this cement, and what they actually used to mix this cement was egg whites. <laughs> like, I'm like, how many eggs did you need to, like, concrete this whole place and mix it with egg whites? So many times when we don't have the proper foundation, we use whatever we have whatever materials we have to kind of create some kind of bed of foundation. But if we're honest, like that spiritual foundation is a little bit rocky. Jesus said, don't build your house on the sand. Build it on the rock, the solid foundation that is in Christ. So our identity in Christ. We don't have spiritual foundation, and that changes everything about our life. Secondly, we have a lack of understanding of women. And I just need an amen after that one. Amen. Yeah, like, we don't understand women. Come on, like it's tough. We 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 did like a men's group uh, there, and I actually taught through uh, Ephesians chapter five with the men be imitators of God and what God calls us to as men there. And I said, all right, we kind of drew it on the board, and we put a line down the middle and said, all right, give me all the attributes of a man. And there were all these great qualities, strength and valiant, and they had all these great things. I said, give me uh, attributes of of women. And they said, complicated. That was the first one that came out. (laughs) And and the next one was demanding. And I'm like, all right, guys, all right, stop this. Like, I'm going to tell on you. I'm going to go over there and tell your wives. This is not talk about your wife hour. Let's talk about the positive attributes. But we don't understand. We don't have this relational foundation. Like we've seen uh, fathers be womanizers. We've seen our fathers be distant and not engaged. Like some of you were raised in homes where you never saw your dad kiss your mom or tell her that he loves her. Like that's the reality of where we've been. And and some of us, it was just never modeled. We never saw anything and, and even in my own life where I have like incredibly, incredible godly parents. Like there were even still things that I had to learn along the way. And I saw my dad learn along the way. Because we don't know how to understand. And, and God wants us to lean in and understand. And not what we think they should feel. Not what we think that they should be understanding. But actually lean in and say, what are you actually feeling? Because that's what God's doing. And we're a reflection of his character. And if we're going to be a godly husband, if we're going to be a godly father, we lean in. And we say, hey, I I care. I'm present, not just in body, but in heart and emotions. And so we have a lack of understanding there. We don't know how they think, how they feel. Just ask them. They'll tell you. (laughs) Um, Lack of understanding on how to feel and process and heal from pain. This might be a really tough one for a lot of us. Like that's where our anger, like, usually pops out, is when we we feel pain about something, and it hasn't been healed. This has been the last one for for me to come, and I, and, I, and I'm not telling you I'm all the way through my identity in Christ. Every year I feel like I go through a season where God's like, yeah, I'm just going to take you a little bit deeper in your identity. Every year I feel like as I'm studying to to teach on being a husband, I learn stuff and I see stuff. I'm like, gosh, I need to I need to grow in this. And this is one that in in past five years that God's I've seen the most progress because I didn't know how to process my pain I didn't know how to let myself feel and just experience it I I push it away I mean even as a young child man like we're told don't cry suck it up throw some dirt on it we had a saying no blood no foul like get over it like we're, we're just that's inbred into our culture and what happens is, is we keep throwing dirt on it, and there's like this ticking time bomb beneath the surface that we keep throwing dirt on. And we're like, it'll, it'll die. It'll be okay. I don't know if I told this story yet, but it's probably been a, a year ago. We were outside playing, and, and Beckett's like, Daddy, you got to come see this. The ground is smoking. And I'm like, what? Like, smoking. And like, I kept doing, I was building a table outside, and, and he's like, come see it, Daddy. Like, the ground is smoking. And I walk over near our playground, and there is smoke coming from the earth like it was wild um there was smoke coming from the ground and like i I feel it and like i I move and it's like a little bit warm i'm like is that warm or is that just the sun and so i dug out with a stick a little bit and as i get deeper it's hotter And hotter, and I'm like, there's a volcano about to (laughs) erupt under my house. Like, we're going to have lava. I didn't know, like, what kind of natural phenomenon is taking place. Where there is literally, like, the deeper I go down, the hotter it gets. And it was hotter and hotter. It was like a game of, like, uh, you know, hide and seek, where it's like, hotter, hotter. Like, where you're trying to find something colder. And, like, the deeper I got, the hotter I got. Turns out, when we were installing that playground, there was a nick on one of our electrical wires. And we had noticed a year ago when our power became very um, shaky in our garage. It kept shutting off. The breaker kept flipping. Something kept happening that was saying something's wrong, but we don't know what it is. And then this day, when smoke started to show, I dug down. And finally, I just kept digging. I'm like, there's something here. There's got to be an issue here. And finally, we saw we had nicked the electrical wire. And that's us, gentlemen. Some of the power is not working in some areas. The power keeps shutting off. Something's going on. We don't know what it is. And we're busy at work with our table. We're just going to keep going, yeah, yeah, but it'll be okay, like whatever. But then smoke starts coming up. And when there's smoke, there's fire, and we start digging down. And the, the more we dig down, the hotter it gets and the more till we find what it is. And gentlemen, if you've been avoiding it because of work or just lack of interest in, in leaning in, I just want to encourage you, dig down. Because God wants to do a work in you. He doesn't want you broken. He, whatever nick happened while you were installing the playground in your life, whatever that might have looked like, God wants to heal it. He doesn't want you to stay nicked where things aren't working on all cylinders. He's called you to greatness in him, to be the man of God he's called you to be. And so we, we don't understand how to do that sometimes, though. And the last one where our anger, I think, stems from is of, of lack of understanding of healthy life boundaries. Like when to say no to the overtime, when to draw the line when to draw the line on, on, or where to draw the line on relationships with other women. Like whatever those life boundaries are, we don't know where to draw them, and we don't know how to handle the stress of life. And I think there's just some, there's, we need this physical foundation. There's so much there that we could continue on and do a whole sermon on anger. But what the scripture says in the Old Testament, and it's repeated, uh, David says it in the Old Testament, and Paul repeats it in in, uh, in the New Testament and says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Right? There's a lot of stuff that's been buried, but from, from now on, I'm not going to let the sun go down on my anger. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to lay before the Lord. I'm going to let him speak to me, and I'm going to deal with this. Many times we want to sweep it under the rug, but God is wanting to heal. He's wanting to lead in, lean in on that pain. He goes on to say, instead, so he's just like, let me, instead of provoking your child to anger, instead of running in this direction, I want you to instead do this. He says, bring them up in the training and the encouragement, or some translations say admonition of the Lord, uh, there's a, or instruction of the Lord. But I think the truest Greek understanding that we can get here is encouragement. It's admonition. It's exhortation. It's building up. And so there's the training, and there's just the encouragement. And so I want to talk to you about this uh, this morning uh, so I think as men, we set the bar way too low. I alluded to this earlier and said I'd come back to it. We set the bar way too low for ourselves. If we put food on the table, right? That's the man's job, put the food on the table. And then after that, most of the time we come and we sit on the couch, throw our feet up, because we're tired. We've had a long day, right? And many times we don't acknowledge the long day that our spouse has had. And then she does the the um, the dinner many times. And then she does the bath routine, Right? I understand that, men, because I live that, and I understand that. And all family dynamics are different, okay? Okay, so I'm not projecting in here. But many times that's, that's the, the common thing, and that's kind of many times what we've been tr- taught, what's been passed down. But God hasn't called us to, to follow the pattern of our fathers or societal patterns. He's called us to be in his image. And the image of Christ that we see in Ephesians 5 that's represented and through the life of Christ is sacrifice and service. Uh, to our spouse and to our children, and that 's what he 's um, pointing us to here is that look being a father is about more than bringing the paycheck it 's about more than putting the food on the table it 's about leading it 's about training our children up like i I love sports as a kid and still do and many times like when my my coach would get onto me and he'd pull me aside and like there's a whole there's a whole line of kids lined up after the wide receiver drills or quarterback tr- whatever I was doing. After the whole line, uh, there's a whole line of kids, and he singles me out every time and pulls me over and, like, talks in my ear. And I'm like, what, what did I do wrong? I feel like I'm doing a good job. And he, every time, and one time I asked him, I'm like, Coach, why do you call me out every single time? He said, because I see something in you. He said, like, you, you can be a great uh, football player. You could be a great basketball player. I'm calling you out because I believe in you. I want to train you. And and dads, just men, see yourself as coaches. Like, I I know many of you or none of you care to be a life coach, but you're all called to be a life coach. And, like, come alongside children or just people that are younger than you and many times older than you. Like, some of you have been doing this dad thing much longer than I have. And here, like, God's put me in this place to, to pour in and encourage. So, like, just see the opportunities that are in front of you to encourage and coach. That means that doesn't mean you have to have it all together. You don't have to have a seminary degree to raise your children up in the Lord. It's not just life skills. It's God's skills. It, it, it's God relationship. It's not just relationship with your job. It's, it's a true, meaningful relationship with the Lord. And that's what he's calling us to, is to train them up, to take them step by step. So I just want to ask you a question, fellas. What are you leaning in on? What are you leaning in on with your time? Leaning in and enjoying some good conversation over video games or talking about sports or talking about school. We're leaning in on education, and sports, and some of these things, but are, are we leaning in in the spiritual matters? Are we leaning in to talk to our kids about Jesus? And like not in a general sense, but we're like, hey, like we're asking them questions and we're helping their understanding and we're training them. Not and I'm getting onto to them, but I'm sitting down with them and saying, I see something in you. Like, God can take you places you never dreamed you would go. And so I want to encourage you, men. like, train, train up a child. Train up a child in the way they should go. God, God wants to use you to coach people around you. He's put you in that position. There's somebody in your life that you can be encouraging. And just finally, I'm just going to keep it short today, guys. You can come. Um, that finally is, is this encouragement, this encouragement of the Lord. Man, this is one that is going to be a, a rock breaker. There, when we were in Peru, we're on the side of a mountain, and it was just it was beautiful. It's a desert mountain, okay? No grass around except the ones that you water every single day, and most of it's cacti and stuff like that. And he walked through, the, the pastor and the, the missionary there walked us through what they had to do to make this mountain what it was. And we saw the tools they were working with it's a pickaxe. It's like a straight pick and like shovels with bent broken tips, and they told us these stories of these giant boulders that had to be moved that had to be broken up to to be moved to other areas so that something could be built there and one of the and, and the better tools you have, the easier it is to to break the rock and there's these giant boulders and and sometimes like what God is doing with us is the true us that has been designed by him, created in his images inside that rock. And God uses all kinds of different tools in our life to kind of chisel away the scriptures say that we are God's craftsmanship, the work of his hands. We are his masterpiece. And God is wanting to do something us, and he shapes us into his image. And the scriptures tell us that the Bible, the word of God, is as sharp as a two-edged sword. It's a very sharp tool. It's easier to use good sharp tools when you're using dull shovels and we're banging on it and we don't know why our kids don't look like they're in God's image. We want them to be an image and we're just beating it with a dull axe or an axe that keeps falling off or it's cracked on the end and like that's what we were using this past week, digging up holes and rocks and stuff and it's so such an illustration for our own lives like I long for, like, good, sharp tools, God, and the Word of God and His Holy Spirit and the body of Christ are the sharpest tools God has given us. They are the ones He has given us to build us up and encourage us in righteousness. And this idea of encouragement is is one that we don't often use. It's a tool we don't pull out, men. It's because, like, if we we encourage someone else, like, we we feel less about ourselves. But God, I'm telling you, He's going to break some stuff on this, and He wants to, like, set you free into a season of encouragement. Like where it doesn't take anything for you to look at another man or a young man or a woman and encourage them. Because you've, like, your place, your identity, like your purpose, your foundation is not in yourself or all this kind of mixed egg white foundation. But it's in legitimate foundation. So I got nothing to fear. Like my life's on a solid rock. And so I can freely give that encouragement. So he's called us to train them up in the way of the Lord. But he's also called to encourage them in the Lord. And man, we have a generation that's dying for encouragement. I think selfie culture has come from a lack of encouraging fathers. I think the risque stuff we see in media and in our culture with girls like showing their butt everywhere is because they haven't had encouragement from fathers. And God, I'm just calling you to like stand up and like you can encourage another dude. You can encourage a young man. You can encourage the ladies around you and just... It doesn't have to be like big and profound, just like simple encouragement. And like, once you release that, like there is something about that tool that just releases like the, the, the rock to just start breaking down. And we become more in his image. So while it's a tool to help someone else, it's a tool that breaks up the rock in our own life for us to look more like image. Because God loves you and he is pouring encouragement and he wants to build you up and be in his image. And so men, I'm just calling you to release that gift. God shared with Jesus Twice. At his, at his baptism and at the transfiguration on the mountain where Jesus was just transfigured into full divinity. And a, f- a couple of men got to see that and witness that profound experience. But in those two encounters, this is exact, Jesus or God says the exact same thing to his son. And I want you to see it as we close today. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. This is my son. Whom I love, and in him I'm well pleased. I think it was an audible voice where people heard this and recognized he's the Son of God. But I think there's a lot we can learn from how the Father speaks to the Son and what God's calling us to in the way of encouragement, what He's calling us to. There's three things that are revealed here and that God's calling us to in our relationships with young men, in our relationships to young women, in our relationships to our own children, acceptance. This is my son. You're my son, bud. When I saw this, when I was taught this, every single night, now at bedtime, I say, I'm so glad you're my boys. I love you. Like, I love you. I just want you to know you're my boys and I don't want any other kids. You're my boys except for my daughter and I love her more than you guys. (laughs) <laughs> um, you're, you're my boys. And so I just constantly say that. I'm affirming them. You're, you're my boys. I'm glad you're my son. And I love you, and I'm not afraid to say it. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm pleased. Right? Most of the time when we're leaning in, all we're leaning in is to fix problems and to get on to them about something. And that's not the example we see from the Father. We see affirmation. I'm glad you're mine. We see Love. Spoken from their lips, not just in deeds. If I ask in this room, did your father show you love? Did he show it to you, or did he say it to you? And we're called—I think we're called to do both. Okay. Most of the time, they showed us. They didn't know how to say it. But I believe that God wants us to be men of God that will say it and that are not afraid to say it. And when we hug them, we mean it. We look them in the eyes, and we actually mean, "I love you." We're not just throwing phrases around. And I'm very well pleased. I'm proud. Amen. And across this room, we're in a lot of different places. Ladies, we're in a lot of different places. But I want you to hear these words from the Lord today. And not just today, but at the end of your life. I want God to want you to be able to look the Lord in the face and, and hear, I'm well pleased. You're my daughter. You're my son. Like, this is not a sprint, gentlemen. Like, you don't have to figure it all out today. Good luck with that. If you know, next week we'll put you up here and you can do the thing. But I'm up here and I I don't have it all figured out. I promise I'm on journey with this. But God's calling us in to hear these words before we can speak these words. And so if you're in this room and and, and you you can't say, look, I, I know of God, but I don't know, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like, I don't know, like, if I was standing before God, like, what? (laughs) It's it's very scary to think about. If you haven't put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, today's that day. Like, why wait? God's calling you. You're in this place today, and he's calling you to know that you've been accepted by the Father because he loves you. And he's going to lead us to good works. He's going to lead us to lead. So, I just want to call you into that relationship. I want to call you into that renewal today. I want to call you into this lifestyle of being a father, young and old, single and married, children or no children, of being a spiritual father. I want to ask you to stand all across the room. I want to ask every single man to just join me up here. And I just want to have a time of prayer. We did this for the ladies on Mother's Day, and I felt led to do the exact same thing with the men. Just come on up. I won't bite, I won't spit. This team's going to lead us in worship in just a a minute. Um, Ladies, uh, you you know these guys. You love these guys. And um, I want to pray over you men. I love each one of you guys. I do. You guys are are amazing, amazing dudes. And I just want to pray over you today. This church needs you. This church needs you. This, this city needs you. God, God wants you. This church needs you. This city needs you. God wants you. So I just want to challenge you. Just pursue Christ. Pursue being the spiritual father that he's called you to be. Ladies, if you'll just help me pray over these men today. God, I just thank you for every single son represented in this room. God, you have called them and you have chosen them and you are saying, you're my son. And I just pray, God, if we've had all kinds of mixed bag of results from our fathers that didn't love us or didn't tell us they loved us or were there sometimes or even if they were there, they weren't present, God, I pray that you bring us into the fullness and awareness that we are sons of God. We are children, God, as much as we are fathers, some of us now. We're we're children. I pray that you would lead us and train us up in the way of the Lord. You would encourage us. God, I pray that you could say with confidence that you're well pleased out of the lives we lead for you. God, we don't know the way completely. And I know some of the men might even not have a personal relationship. And if today's that day, God, I just pray that they walk in boldness and in faith of this next step. God, raise up an army, raise up a multitude of fathers, 10,000 fathers in this city, God, to just take on the millions across the nation that aren't being fathered or not fathered effectively. Just thank you for every one of them. God, lead us on, call us on into your presence. In Christ's name, amen.